Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the MJ Sports Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm joined by Jonas. And this is your week of sports in review. Sports. 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 Sports, 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 but, uh, you know, it's always good to just sit down and have a little chat about sports. That it is. That it is. One of my favorite things to do. Well, oh, I... there's a lot to talk about. Um, what do you want to start with? I'll let well, you choose. You know, I, I this is tough. There's, there is a lot to talk about here. Um, I, I mean, I guess we should probably start with March Madness. Oh, baby. One of the best times of the year. We got um, robbed of it last year. And I'll tell you what, they are making up for it this year because it has been quite a tournament so far. That it has. It's, it's been one of the craziest tournaments, especially, I mean, if 2019, if you remember, there really wasn't that many upsets compared to like 2018. So it's kind of an off and on type of thing, which it didn't really look like anybody was real dominant besides Gonzaga. So, and I guess I'll lead it right off. You know, I think our last episode or an episode or two ago, I said Illinois would be the first number one seed to lose. I picked them in the bracket to lose in the second round. Granted, I picked them to lose to Georgia Tech and not Loyola. I don't know what I was thinking there. How could you go against Sister Jean? Or, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll say I somewhat called that. So, Yeah, I. It, it has been wild. And, I mean, it's not just Illinois. <laughs> the entire Big Ten uh, has been a pretty big disappointment so far. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of hype around them going into the tournament. And... Now only Michigan remains, which conveniently I have them winning my bracket. So go Michigan. Well, and here the thing I think is funny is the Big Ten and the Big 12 were the two most hyped conference going into this. Oh, and granted, I mean, I I picked the Big Ten and the Big 12 teams to go fairly far. I mean, you know, it's just, it's one of those things hard to tell, especially since we didn't get very many non-conference games. So, you know, I picked Texas to the Elite Eight, and I picked Oklahoma State to the Final Four. That was stupid. Uh, And it's just Baylor from the Big 12, just Michigan from the Big 10. And (laughs) every other conference has at least uh, two teams. And the Pac-12. I'm just dumbfounded. I, I don't. I have no idea how how they're playing so well. <laughs> I yeah. It, this is. I mean, like I said, it, there is just no way you could have predicted this. I mean, it it's just crazy. 
and I'm loving it. Like it, it's, I already, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, if we're getting all upsets one year or if every game's going according to plan, I'm always super locked into March Madness, but I am even more locked in this year because at this point, it seems like really anybody can win. So, yeah. And uh, I mean, it was the first year or first time ever there has been uh, what was like five seeds lower than like 13 or lower that I've gone on to the second round. So, and then Oral Roberts, obviously, just cranking through Ohio State and, uh, was it Florida? So, who would have thought? <laughs> I mean, they play, uh, oh, they play Arkansas, right? I mean, I guess I, I don't mind Arkansas, but if Oral Roberts somehow just kept winning, that would be amazing. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm all in for schools like Oral Roberts or um, Loyola. So, well, I'm, I'm Mark, excited we got a handful of those teams. Who who do you like want to make it to the Final Four, the championship game, and and like who do you want to win? Now that Wisconsin is, you know, I'll say Wisconsin put up a good fight, but uh, now that they're out, who who do you kind of want to? to reach Final Four championship winner type of Well, and I, I will touch real quick. You know, congrats to Wisconsin for for beating, uh, you know, beating North Carolina. It was, it was a good game. They played well. But <laughs> I, beat them. I said I, I, they would not beat Baylor. And Baylor was just all around way too good of a team. So that was no surprise to me. Disappointing still, but... Um, I mean... I still want Michigan to win. Um, Man, you want Michigan to win, huh? I mean, I guess for your bracket. For my but... bracket, and, you know, I've been hearing a lot of hate tossed around about the Big Ten, um, possibly from someone else who's, who's on this call. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, save the Big Ten a little bit. But, I mean, for the sake of my bracket, I want Michigan for the sake of reality, you know, I kind of, I kind of want Loyola to win it. Um, I mean, it. What if? I mean, this would be tragic in its own way. But what if, like, Sister Jean's, like, she's like passing her life force, like uh, Ben Solo, into the team, and they win. And then after they win, like the day later, she just, you know, she would tragically pass away. But I mean, that would be that would be one story if that happened. That that's awful to think about, but I I get where you're coming from. Yeah, not so, in a bad way. I'm not saying that in a bad no, no. way, but it no. just like that just would have just seemed like really fitting. Yeah. Look, I mean if I, I want... was to die and I could pass my life force onto my favorite college basketball team to win a title and then die a la- day later, I'd be okay. At this point, I just want all of the lowest seeds to advance, you know, get Baylor out of there get Gonzaga out of there, kick them to the curve like the trash they've been in the past years, you know. Get, get some get some fresh faces in there. I mean, I, I, I'm going for Syracuse. <laughs> that, that's who I'm going for. I just, I like Jim Beheim. His son, Buddy Beheim, I mean, is playing really well. I think he's had like, 
he had like 30 points against uh, San Diego State, and then he had like another 28 or something like that against West Virginia. And granted, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the memes from that game, but they were absolutely hilarious. I don't understand how teams don't know. And it seems like West Virginia always does this. They always choke in the tournament, but how do you not know how to play against the zone defense on offense? Like, you know Syracuse is going to do that. Just come up with a plan. Like, they're not going to play man-to-man defense. I I know. it's. It, <laughs> you would think at this level, I mean, at at least when I, when I played basketball in high school, we pretty much set all of our plays to run against zone because in high school, most people ran zone. Because we knew we could run an offense against Mandel, you know. And in zone, you would think that, you know, these guys who are the, you know, top, top level for their age, they'd be able to find the hole or, you know, swing the ball. But like you said, I mean, you, you see it every year. There's usually a handful of teams that run it, and teams just look completely dumbfounded and lost when they see a zone. And I mean, I blame that more on coaching. I mean, the West Virginia coach—I forget his forgetting his name—but he's been there forever. Like, it just seems to me like it was more his fault. And as the game progressed, they started doing better offensively. But Syracuse—I mean—they just stayed pretty consistent throughout until the very end of the game, where they forgot how to inbound the ball. Uh, yeah, I. I think Syracuse, and I was hoping for Rutgers versus Syracuse uh, because I thought that would just be entertaining. Um, but uh, and Rutgers needs to win something for once. But uh, <laughs> I think Syracuse. I originally in my bracket was going to pick Syracuse against Houston, and then I got talked out of it uh, by my dad because he's like, "Oh, you, you want to lose money on picking Syracuse to the Elite Eight? I'm like, uh, every time they're a number 11 seed, they make it to the Final Four somehow. But uh, we'll see. Houston got kind of lucky against Rutgers. but I was really hoping we'd get our chance at a Rutgers championship. Oh, yes. It's like maybe, Rutgers. Maybe we need to bring back Roberts. our... Maybe we need... Oh, oh that, <laughs> that would have been great, but... Maybe we need to bring back our, our little Rutgers bit that we did for a little while. We could bring it back, maybe in honor of them. Yes. I in think honor of was... them actually making the tournament. Yeah, this is something. Like either was this the first time they made it or the first time they won a game in the tournament since 1982, I heard. I... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the first time they've made it, although I. <laughs> I feel like that's such a long time to not even make it. I mean, surely they would have made it whenever they were not in the Big Ten since then. But yeah, that, that's my thought. They, I know they haven't made it since they've been in the Big Ten. So, I'm I was shocked that they even made it this year. I thought for sure they were not going to get in, but I guess yeah. being in the Big Ten. Uh, here's the thing: if Duke would have been in the Big Ten this year we would have been in the tournament at four, uh, 13 and 11. I mean, they basically just shoehorned in Michigan state. Cause they're yeah, like, oh, they're I, I didn't think, that, I didn't, I didn't think they deserved to be in there either, but so 
I think uh, I, I think some of that might be because their their head coach is Izzo as well. Well, and I'll say, you know, this happens like every March Madness, though. Whatever the number one conference is, they always end up crapping the bed in the tournament. Like I remember, what was it? Maybe it was like two or three. Like one of the years, Duke lost in the first round. Like the ACC was like they had like the most teams in, and then all of our teams like lose in the first two rounds, and it's just like, what is going on here? So it, it seems like a lot of the time the top conference in the regular season ends up just, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's the pressure or what, but yeah, the. It's hard to tell. I mean, usually some of those teams that scrape by at the bottom there, you know, kind of at the end of that conference, like Michigan State and things, end up flopping as you would expect them to. But, yeah, no, it's it's a little funny how that works out. Well, I'm sure uh, we're going to have some more. Oh, one thing, other thing I was going to ask. Uh did you like having the first round start on Friday instead of Thursday? I I was fine with that. Yeah, I kind of liked it better because, I mean, those are, you know, two of the better days, you know, having the 16 games on each day. Um, so I kind of liked, I kind of liked it that way better as well. Yeah. And then I know the games this week will start will be Saturday through Tuesday, which will be kind of I don't know. I think I think that might work out better too because I feel like by the time your Elite Eight games start, most people will be off work to be able to watch. So yeah, that that that's the key in balancing all this is you have to work through available times to broadcast, but then you also need to have it at a t- day and time and obviously not every game is going to be optimal for um you know people to to watch because some people are going to have do- you know work hours you're going to have to do some games earlier in the day but especially during a time like this like you know if you're working from home you can just have the game you know listen to the game in the background or you know things like that so i yeah. i really liked it and i think they've actually done a good job so far and making sure that I could consume as much March, March Madness as possible. Yep, yep. Well, you want to talk about uh, the NFL free agency a little bit here? The free agency frenzy. Man, yes. this has been... Uh, it's been absolutely wild for some teams and absolutely boring for others well and and funny for one One yes a team that's very very close to my heart um but one of those boring teams is actually my packers who still still haven't signed an outside free agent um which isn't exactly unexpected but we're one of two i can't remember who the other team was I have no idea. 
How have the Cowboys been doing? Well, I mean, obviously last time we talked about Dak Prescott, but we've signed uh, we signed Cam Neal from the Falcons. Obviously, it kind of makes sense after we got Dan Quinn. Granted, I don't know. I think Dan Quinn will be better than Mike Nolan. And I, I, I mean, I like the move as a cheap roster move. I did just see that we were not going to re-sign Alden Smith, albeit I saw something about potential allegations or something against him. So I'm not really sure what it, what that is, what's going on there. But obviously, if if everything's normal with him, I don't know why we wouldn't try to re-sign him. But the Cowboys always do that. We'll get like some player who just basically just got out of jail or just got doing drugs or whatever, sign him for a one-year contract, plays great, and then we don't re-sign him. They go somewhere else, and they're like a superstar again. And I'm like, great. We signed him for one worthless year. And I don't know, just dumb. Yeah. But, uh, and I think we signed some other safety. We've signed base, and we've also signed about 10 defensive linemen that you've probably never heard of. And also our, probably our number one free agent move is uh, we let our long snapper JP Latisier go. And we signed a new long snapper that was only like four years younger. And uh, they posted that all over Facebook acting like, Oh man, this is a major signing. Oh, I completely lied. The Packers actually did sign a long snapper today too, as well. So man, probably the most important position. Nobody else can do that. Oh, hey, I mean, you know when they get blamed for a lot of stuff when the kicks can't uh, when the when the kicker isn't doing too good. So it's a team effort there between the uh, the snapper, the holder, and the kicker. So essential. Yeah. Well. You know, after, you know, kind of being somewhat, I mean, I I saw it coming with the Cowboys, but let's talk about a former Cowboy here. Good old Andy Dalton going to the Bears. And I mean, he's basically Russell Wilson. Yeah, so, you know, this, in my opinion, and I have seen a lot of hate being directed to Andy Dalton right now, and it really shouldn't be directed to him. I do think that Andy Dalton is an awful fit for the Bears. <laughs> like, I just, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just think the Bears are horribly set up to succeed with him. And I think this is another blunder by uh, by Ryan Pace, who's possible. You know, the Bears consistently hire incompetent GMs and then hold on to them much longer than they should. Uh, Phil Emery is a good example of that. Um, then they went right to Ryan Pace after they fired him. So, I mean, you know, the, here's the problem with the Bears. If they wouldn't have hyped up all this Russell Wilson stuff, like they didn't deny any of these rumors. Like they kind of went with it. Like, you know, if if they wouldn't have done that, there would not be as much of an outcry as there is. But when you get the fans' hope hopes up, now granted, it's not like the Bears didn't make an effort here. I mean, they offered uh, three first-rounders, I believe, and then wasn't it like a – it was two position, two starters and I think a third-rounder in there as well. I mean, that's that's quite a package right there. Yeah. I, 
But but the real problem here is, and, and you know, they didn't make a run. I just think Pace handled it horribly in not shutting down some of those rumors until a deal was done. Because Andy Dalton, as much as Pace and Bears ownership may want to believe, is not Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. He is not a playmaker. Like, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky was able to win some games in Chicago because he's got a little bit of playmaker to him. He's wildly inconsistent, but he can make some plays when he needs to. Um, Andy Dalton, not that type of quarterback. He's much better when he's got weapons around him. He's got a no-line. And when you think of the Chicago Bears, do you think about their plethora of um, offensive weapons or their offensive line? No, you really don't. So in my mind, this is an awful, th- this whole situation was handled horribly by the by the Bears. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you covered it. I feel like I don't need to get any yeah. more. And then I guess the team that surprised everybody in free agency, the Patriots, the thing that, really bothers me is that they got both Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry. I mean, and that bothers me mostly for fantasy purposes because tight end position just got a hundred times weaker, but uh, for real life, obviously benefits him a lot. And I feel like this, this is Bill Belichick's way of saying, all right, Cam Newton, you made excuses. You didn't have any weapons. Tom Brady said he didn't have any weapons last, you know, two years ago. All right, then. Here's a whole bunch of weapons. Play good. Yeah, there, there are no excuses for Cam this year because they they also went out and they got wide receivers too. They got granted they didn't you know they didn't get someone like Kenny Galladay, which you know what I'm going to talk about that after this too because that was quite a contract. But um, Depressing. you know, but but they got Kendrick Bourne, um, and they 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 signed two other receivers. I can't remember their names off the top of my head right now, but he has wide receivers to throw to now that are better and not just you know Walmart cashiers that were picked up after their shift. Um, and he has two good tight end options to throw to, which, you know, if you think tight end should be, you know. That makes sense with Cam Newton and his style of play. So, yeah, I mean, no excuses for Cam. It's it's time for him to uh, prove he's not washed up and that he can he still deserves to stick around in this league as a starter. Um, personally, I was a little surprised the the Patriots went back with Cam and didn't at least opt to sign someone like Trubisky or you know one of the other. Uh, you know, keep QB options on the market, but um, yeah, well, unfortunately, I think uh, uh, I don't think Cam Newton's going to be any better. No, I, 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 I think he'll be slightly better. I still don't think he's good. I think his quality of play will be the same, but I think he'll have better stats. How about that's how I'll say it. I mean, I guess, but. If you throw the ball into the ground, you're still not getting touchdowns. Right, but I mean that's fair. 
I'm sorry. I'm going to continue the Cam Newton hate because I think he's trash. Well, but well, uh, anyway. Well, uh, let's uh, talk about that wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the yeah. wide receiver market, you know, there's a lot of wide receivers hitting the market this offseason. And, you know, I think a lot of them were expecting to get paid. You know, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster uh, clearly seemed to be expecting a big contract. He did not get it. He returned back on a, to the Steelers on a one-year, $8 million deal. Uh, we've seen this in a couple other situations. T.Y. Hilton just re-signed back with the Colts uh, on a one-year, $10 million deal. Uh, $8 million of that is guaranteed, I believe. Um, but then you have the Giants um, who went out and they got their guy. They got Kenny Galladay. Um let me look this up. Uh, I believe it was a four-year, seventy-something million-dollar contract. Yeah, four-year, uh, seventy-two million. Yeah, and I believe forty million of that is guaranteed. So, and don't get me wrong, Kenny Galladay is a good player. He's a good wide receiver. Um, he has struggled to stay healthy a little bit through his career, and I. I don't know if he's a true, I mean, he, he's a number one for a lot of teams. He's just not quite as athletic. Like he doesn't have some of the, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like he, he's not Devonte Adams or, you know, he's not DeAndre Hopkins. Like, you know, he's, he's a big wide receiver. He can go up and get the ball. He can body guys, but he doesn't quite have some of the quickness um, some of the cuts of some of the other wide receivers. I don't think it's a bad signing necessarily, and we've seen that. You know, GMs will do all sorts of things to make sure players, you know, don't get their contracts get restructured, and we very well might see that. Um, but I mean, I, I think with with uh, with the Giants, I think this is their way of saying, um, you know, Daniel Jones. Now we've got you a couple weapons. Uh, well, and I never really felt like the Giants receivers were that bad, but, uh, I mean, they had Golden Tate. Obviously, Shepard was injured. And then that rookie they had, uh, Slayton. But, uh, yeah, I mean, personally, if Galladay can stay healthy, that would be great. But it seems like the Giants, all their receivers are just injury-prone. And, uh, yeah, if Galladay's healthy... Uh, he's gonna roast the Cowboys. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm, that much. I yeah. the The thing with Galladay is, I don't think he can he can beat some of the the doubles that some of the other top end wide receivers that might be making similar money to that. But still a still a great option to have as a receiving threat. But yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, any any other big free agent signings that you can think of off the top of your head that you want to cover? Um, not particularly, I don't think. So, I I do have something quick I want to ask you. Um, with the Patriots and all of their activity, uh, what is, what does that mean for the Dolphins' playoff hopes? In your mind. I didn't think the Dolphins would make the playoffs regardless of the Patriots' moves solely because I don't think Tua is that good. 
I don't know. Oh, and speaking of this, I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but Deshaun Watson, all these allegations coming up against him. You know, obviously, we don't really know if they're true yet or not, but. Yeah, both, both I, I don't know. sides. Does, does this seem like a, a sabotage? From... So there, there's a lot that's going into this because apparently um, the Texans owner and the lawyer who is representing the people making the claims against Watson, apparently they're neighbors and they're good friends. Um, so there's speculation there. And, and granted, we don't have any facts here. We're just, this is all pure speculation, us talking about, you know, what we've heard. Um, so I, I think I saw today, like, it's up to like 14 people have made allegations. Uh, Deshaun Watson's lawyer came out and he said that they have evidence that proved like strong evidence against one of the claims, which should call into question the other claims. So far, everything um, is civil. Um, I did see that the lawyer that's representing the um, the uh, people making the claims against Watson uh, is planning to drop evidence off. I believe this next Monday, give all the evidence to the police department. Um, so we'll see if anything comes out of that. Um, it's just hard to tell. It's honestly just going to be something that we're going to have to wait and see. Um, because there's a lot of stuff flying around on both sides right now. And, you know, from what I've heard, um, there's still teams like this hasn't like completely dropped interest in Watson, like teams and wanting to trade for Watson. Um, I don't know if this makes the Texans any more likely to trade him or how it's going to be handled. I don't know if, some of the teams are secretly dropping out or if teams are more hesitant and trying to wait to see how this all plays out, who knows? I just think this is something that we're going to have to, this is probably going to be something that's going to wind up taking a, while, a couple months here, I would think. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see what comes out of all of it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. That's all I have then. Well, we can switch to the MLB real quick. Um, we're getting real close to opening day here. Um, and I'm very excited. I, we, we've done our fantasy baseball drafts. And actually next week, uh, we are going to go through uh, what our fantasy lineups look like. Then hopefully throughout the season, we can provide some updates on uh, how that's going. Um, but stay tuned for that for next week. But, uh, you know, still spring training. There's been a couple in injuries that we're seeing pop up. Eloy Jimenez, uh, today he uh, reached over a wall to try to rob a home run. Has a shoulder injury. There's nothing on it on how that, how, uh, how serious that might be. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, he threw a ball, and uh, I think that also happened. It was either today or yesterday, and he clearly, it kind of seemed like he may have overextended just a little bit. Um, 
So I don't know if that puts his opening day status in question or not, but something to keep eyes on. Um, other than that, you're seeing your final roster cuts come up. Um, if you follow baseball, you know, roster cuts are always interesting. You'll probably see some play, notable players get cut and teams scoop them up as last-minute additions. Always interesting to see. Uh, but the biggest news right now is the league came out today and is declaring war on foreign substances. Now, technically, um, you know, foreign substances have been illegal, but the league and the teams, like the teams kind of have a gentleman's agreement to, you know, as long as it's not blatantly obvious, we're not going to call you out on it. Um, obviously, the most, the most notable th- uh, offender has been Michael Pineda in the past. Um, <laughs> he walked out on the, on the mound one time, um, when he was with the Yankees with a ton of pine tar on his neck, um, you know, teams will call that stuff out. And then he did it again, uh, after he got suspended that time and he had it in his glove. Um, but the, the, they're basically the rules are cracking down. They're going to have people in the clubhouses and the locker rooms, basically anywhere that they deem a pitcher could possibly, um, you know, apply the foreign substance uh, to the balls. Um, and then they're also going to, and this is kind of interesting, they're going to be using uh, StatCast, and they're going to be looking at the spin rate. And they're going to be comparing a pitcher's spin rate with their career averages in order to determine, you know, if they should really start investigating a player. Um, my guess is that directly relates to Trevor Bauer, I think it was two years ago, or maybe maybe it was last year, um, essentially mentioning that because he, he does a lot of like his own lab stuff, he found that he basically claimed that if you apply a foreign substance, you can add, um, you know, basically increase your spin, uh, spin rate by uh, 200 to 300, and his conveniently that season went up by 300. Um <laughs> And there had been some people, I think the guy that got caught in the Angels Clubhouse doing it, he's claimed in the past that he helped uh, apply the substance substances and create them for like Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, um, Max Scherzer, and several other pitchers around the league. So my guess is is they're they're kind of watching because you know, if you think about it, these pitchers getting paid big contracts probably can pay to have a special lab create something that, or, you know, create it themselves that is harder to detect. Um, the bigger question is, and people pointed this out, the wording basically bans any substance at all. Uh, but the question is, in the you know, you'll see pitchers sometimes in the summers, they will use sunscreen. And apparently when you mix sunscreen with sweat, um, you can kind of create a little bit of a gritty substance that can help you get better grit. Um, You can't really tell players not to use sunscreen. Um, So some people are thinking that might be a workaround, but that'll be kind of interesting to see if, you know, anything comes of that. Maybe we see Trevor Bauer's uh, spin rate suddenly go back down. Uh, by 300 yeah well that's why i was afraid of drafting him in uh fancy baseball but uh i had to unfortunately 
but yeah yeah it, just an just an interesting thing to to see how it uh, how it affects and maybe see if any pitchers are using something secret but uh and then the other big piece of news and this one was actually kind of funny uh, we don't you normally cover a lot of the NHL on here um but uh, the NHL fired referee Tim Peel uh, today, and they said it's for good. He's never coming back, effective immediately, never doing another NHL-associated game again. And I've I've looked into this guy, and it sounds like he's the Angel Hernandez of hockey refs. Mm. I mean, just everybody hates this guy. It seems like he's always, like, out there to flex his power. Um but basically he had a hot mic moment where he mentioned that he wanted to uh, get a penalty on a team quickly. Um, and he's basically the, the audio bite. I'm not going to play it uh, because it is, there is some um, adult language in it, but uh, basically he says something of, I know it wasn't much and referencing the contact but I wanted to get a penalty, and I believe it was on Nashville that he was trying to call it on early. Um, basically, it sounded like it's because he tries to balance out calls and make makeup calls. Um, so that was that was a little eye opening. Um, you got to wonder how many other officials are trying to do the same thing. But um, just kind of a little little interesting moment when you have referees mic'd up like that. Yeah, that is uh, that's somewhat. I mean, it brings me back to the NBA days of makeup calls, which I still don't like. The NBA refs, they make it no fun. But uh, well, it's already not very fun to begin with. But yeah, it's true. They just really neither is hockey until the playoffs. <laughs> you know, I've I've really been getting into hockey lately. I've got to say, I've I've been watching oh, a lot of the Blackhawks this year. I still don't understand the game nearly as well as I understand other sports, but I've been enjoying it a little more. As long as the Blues lose, that's all I care about. These people in Missouri are annoying. (laughs) Well, do you have any sports we don't care about news? Oh, man. I I didn't do my research this week. Well, you know, don't worry about it because we can, we can have an extra long sports you don't care about next week. I'm sure there's something that happened in the tennis world. I'm uh, sure something happened in soccer too, because it seems like that sport goes year round. Well, you know, there's soccer like uh, you know across the the ocean that is happening or something, and I don't know when the MLS starts. Or anything like that. I think there was some golf thing that that recently happened, but uh, I'm not really sure what it was. So basically, your sports that we don't care about this week. Uh, this week, we truly do not care about them because <laughs> we we have no news. <laughs> uh, well, in that case, there's no reason to keep rambling here. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the MJ Sports Podcast. Yes, uh, and, and we, we thank will... you for listening each and every week. 
and each and every one of you. Yes, and follow. Uh, I mean, we might as well throw us in here, Mark. Follow our Instagram page. Uh, what is it? It's MJ underscore Sports underscore Podcast. Um, and then you can also check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got all the all the episodes up there as well. Um, and you know, if you ever have questions um, or you have topics you want us to cover or just want to get in contact about us at something, uh, you can always comment on Instagram, DM us on Instagram, comment on YouTube, or you know, if you're if you prefer to go the email route, uh, you can email us at mjsport podcast at gmail.com we would love to be emailed yes yes we would it's so lonely (laughs) um but that's that's it for this week and uh we'll be back next week see ya see ya